Cultivating Place is made possible in part through the generosity of the Caddo Shaw Foundation. Cultivating Place is also made possible through support from the Garden Conservancy. This is Cultivating Place, I'm Jennifer Jewell. As we come toward the finale of Women's History Month, this week we head northwest to Tacoma, Washington. Plantswoman Tyra Chenault is the Horticulture Resource Supervisor at Metro Parks Tacoma, and after decades with the Parks Department, she currently oversees a crown jewel in the city's many lovely parks, the 115-year-old Glass House, one of only three on the West Coast, known as the W.W. Seymour Conservatory in Tacoma's likewise historic Wright Park and Arboretum. From March of 2021 to May of 2022, the Seymour Conservatory underwent a massive multi-million dollar renovation, and one year out from the completion of that, Tyra joins us to share more about the process, about the park, and about the Seymour Conservatory. Tyra, I'm so pleased to be speaking with you, especially after having visited the conservatory many times over this past four years. Welcome to Cultivating Place. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You know, I've introduced you in this very simplistic, two-dimensional way. I would love for you to introduce yourself more personally to listeners and maybe just how do you, what is the title you give yourself and Where do plants fit in your life philosophically as much as physically? Yeah, you know, I've never thought about the title that I would give myself. I typically say I'm a horticulturist. Mm -hmm. Um, When I worked at the greenhouse, I would say I'm a grower. Um, When I met Abra Lee this in last September, um, I learned the phrase plantswoman. And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm a plantswoman. So it's hard for me to pinpoint just a, a title that I would give myself. It's just, I, I have this deep, deep love of plants and nature and growing plants. And, um, it is, it is my breath. It's my life, you know? So, um, all titles, you know, but I am a horticulturist at heart. That was what I, that's what I chose to do. Um, that's what I've been training to do my whole life. So beautiful, simplify horticulturist. Okay. All right. Now I'd love to go back a little bit and dig into the people and places and plants that grew you and taught you to be the woman you now are. Where were you born and raised and who taught you there in Tacoma or at least allowed you exposure to this love and relationship with plants, Tyra? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Tacoma, Washington. And I think more and more people are are understanding where Tacoma is uh, near Seattle. And I love it here. We're so close to so many natural wonders. You know, we have rivers, we have beaches, and the ocean is two hours away. We have Mount Rainier. And so it's all around us. And so I, you know, I grew up, I grew up fairly poor in Tacoma. My family was fairly poor. Um, So we didn't have a lot of money to do a lot of extracurricular activities. But one of the things that we could do was to go to the parks. Um, So we would go to a lot of the local parks in Tacoma. We would pack a picnic lunch and we would um, just stay there for hours. You know, like every 4th of July, we would go to this beautiful park um, called Browns Point and had a White House. It was right by the water. 
you know, it would just be something that we would do. And like thinking back on it, you know, I got to be in the park, walking around in the trees, rolling in the grass, you know, feeding the geese, do not feed the geese <laughs> back then. I don't think we right. even knew um, or understood. And, and that is something that my mom gave me, you know, she gave me this exposure to being outside and I loved being outside. And I said to myself, I think I was about 16, I'm really starting to think about what am I going to do? Because I have always had it in my head that I just need to earn enough money to survive and take care of myself um, without thinking about like where my heart really is. And so I was like, you know what I don't want to do is be in an office. Like, what can I do? And I still didn't know. Like, I didn't even understand the idea that you could have a career with plants and growing plants and landscaping and being outside um, until I started working for Metro Parks. Um, you know, I was 20. Oh, gosh, was I 19? I was 19. And I started working outside, taking care of the plants, roses, um, I, I do not like roses from that experience, but, <laughs> but that's a, that's a hard sell, right? The, the, the roses that we put in public rose gardens, especially back in the day in these sort of more formal spaces, they were kind of rigid and constrained creatures themselves. Yes. And then they would, t they would poke you and yeah. prod you until you understood that. Um, but I just, like, I was in this beautiful park, Point Defiance Park in Tacoma, oh, you know, beautiful. it's. You, yeah, you're familiar with that. It has, we're by the water. It has this beautiful drive that you can drive on and then the gardens. And that was my job. And I was, I was just a seasonal worker. And I was like, oh, I could make not very much money working in, in horticulture and public right. parks, but I could do something that I really love. And I think that that is what really started me off I'm there, but I was, you know, seasonal. And then they, the director of the conservatory at the time had asked me, if I would be interested in working one day a week at the conservatory Ooh. to cover um, part-time, to cover someone's um, days off. Okay, so wait, and, before yeah. you go further on this, yeah, it is in this job, perhaps, am I understanding this correctly, Tyra, that you begin to see working with plants and caring for landscapes as a viable career path. Correct. Yeah, yeah okay. that's when I really begin to understand. Yeah. There were um, two... Uh, women there who were in the maintenance there full-time there weren't very many women in the park district and they really inspired me like one woman had been there for already 15 years mm -hmm. um, and another one um, going on I think even then it was probably 20 and I was like oh wait they've made a career and they and they love it and yeah. I can do that too yeah um, and that was a pretty amazing Pretty amazing. And that's like this, it's an interesting moment in so many horticulturalists lives when they all of a sudden realize, um, not having necessarily been exposed to it before, that this is actually a possible job, which I, mm -hmm. I it's, it's often a really moving moment in people's lives. So you indicated the sort of relationship to Tacoma and Washington. And, you know, for people who aren't familiar with Washington State, it's a it's a fairly big city-ish in the state of Washington State. It's not like, you know, New York or D.C., but it's the kind of the, the smaller, more working class sister down the coast of the Puget Sound from the bigger metropolis of Seattle. What is the scope of the 
Tacoma Metro Parks. And then we'll move into your exposure to the conservatory and its place in this larger park system. Tyra. So uh, Metro Parks oversees community centers. Um, They oversee all of the uh, community parks in Tacoma. So we have um, large parks called Wright Park, Wapato Park, Point Defiance Park, along Ruston Way. All of the play fields, baseball fields, recreation, it's all under one um, parent in Metro Parks. And so Metro Parks has been around since the early 1900s in the community and helping the community grow. You can see that it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Tell us about the park the conservatory is in, and then the conservatory itself, introducing us a little bit to its name and its history, Tyra. Yeah, absolutely. So the conservatory is situated in um, Wright Park Arboretum. So 27 acres um, is called Tacoma's Wright Park. And the land was donated by um, Charles Wright. Um, He was the president of the Tacoma Land Company um, in the late 1800s. And he donated the land. And in, in the decree of the land title it said this park shall forever be a park and it shall have within two years of you know opening technically it would have so many trees and so he he made it in in his agreement to that this it would always be a park and it would have so many trees planted um, every few years and so it was really important even then people could see it was really important that we had this tree canopy and trees and public spaces and public mm-hmm. parks. Um, so the conservatory is situated on kind of the top of that park and the park has, you know, duck ponds and trails and um, statues. And, and so we're situated in, in, on top yeah. of that and the conservatory, which is um, called the Seymour conservatory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people don't know. So our name is W.W. Seymour Botanical Conservatory. So W.W. Seymour, of course, I'm sure you've heard this story before. There was a well-meaning, well-off white man, William Walcott Seymour. He wanted to help beautify the the Tacoma area. And uh, there was a lot of push um, for a lot of different things, but there was a... um, garden superintendent at Point Defiance Park that said, we need to build a conservatory. Um, We need to do a display conservatory. And so can the money come towards that? And the Tacoma City Council voted yes. And so it cost $10,000 to build and build the conservatory. And it started in 1907. It was completed in 1908. And it, you know, started off as a really straightforward uh, palm house, you know, and they had some tropical plants, you know, really rare and exotic plants like birds of paradise. And, um, you know, then it was, you didn't see that very often, mm-hmm. you know, you drive anywhere in California, you can see it on the side of the road. Right. And so the, it was, it was amazing. People in Tacoma had never seen plants like that yeah. before. And, um, and so then it, there, it became something more, it, it always kind of, changes and um, adapts to the times and then to the people who are the caretakers of the facility. So we had a caretaker, Clarence Deming, who uh, brought in these statues, which are, you know, the cultural appropriation, which is something that we've had conversation about, but they're 
um, African-inspired, Aztec-inspired statues that he built. But um, that's not his legacy so much as, um, as the displays he started. So we have, along with our tropical collection, a lot of conservat conservatories have seasonal displays. And so we have that, and he started that in the 40s. And so we have, we've continued that tradition where every season we've just really highlight the beauty of it, yeah. you know, yeah. um, it's an amazing place. I love it. I, I, I can't see my life any other way than being and working at that conservatory. This is Cultivating Place. Plants woman Tyra Chenault is the horticulture resource supervisor at Metro Parks Tacoma in Washington state. She oversees, among many other things, a 115-year-old glass house known as the W.W. Seymour Conservatory in Tacoma's Wright Park. We'll be right back after a break to hear more about the scope and importance of this gorgeous public resource. Stay with us. Cultivating Place is made possible in part by the Caddo Shaw Foundation, who funds initiatives that empower women and help preserve the planet through the intersection of environmental advocacy, social justice, and creativity. I can't think of a better mission for Women's History Month. Cultivating Place is also made possible through support from the Garden Conservancy. The Garden Conservancy realizes more than ever the essential role that gardens play in our cultural, physical, and emotional health and well-being. With all of this in mind, the Conservancy is organizing its inaugural Garden Futures Summit on September 29th and 30th, 2023. As an established thought leader in garden history and preservation, the Conservancy seeks to support and champion the extraordinary expansion of gardening in recent years. Through this two-day event, the Conservancy will explore what opportunities gardens uniquely present to us at this exact moment of societal and cultural re-emergence. The Garden Futures Summit will take place in person at the New York Botanical Garden with online viewing opportunities. It will feature about two dozen invited speakers from across the gardening world in three sessions, environment, community, and culture. And I will be one of those speakers. Hooray! In addition to speaking on my upcoming book, What We Sow, I will as well be leading an entire session on the state of seed in our world. This is sure to be a germinating gathering, and I hope to see you there. More details soon, both at the Garden Conservancy's website and at cultivatingplace.com. Stay tuned for more. We're back now to our conversation with Tyra Chenault, the Horticulture Resource Supervisor at Metro Parks Tacoma in Washington State, where she oversees the city's historic glass house, the W.W. Seymour Conservatory in Tacoma's beloved Wright Park. As we come back, Tyra is sharing more about how she came to work at the conservatory and the importance to her of representing the whole of the city's heritage, inside and outside of these glass walls. 
my niece came to live with us at a at a really my really young age. I would think I was uh, fourteen or fifteen, and so I would take her on bus rides and we would go to parks. And one of the parks we would go to would be Wright Park, and we would visit the conservatory. And you know, it was free. It was very quiet. And I remember it always being very quiet. Yeah, um, there's just like hush inside a conservatory, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there was, and I was, I did feel like a little, like this feels a little stodgy. <laughs> but they had, uh, it was a, a koi pond and beautiful plants, and we would just sit there and we would just look at the fish, and we loved it. So we would do that often. Um, and, you know, fast forward to when I'm working for the park district, I've been working outside mowing and all of the maintenance aspects of working in a park. Um, The director of the conservatory, um, who soon becomes my mentor in horticulture, she asked if I would be willing to work two days a week at the conservatory to cover the person who works there stay off. And I said, yes, this is, that's amazing. She was getting moved over to, to oversee the whole um, parks department at that time. So she was moving offsite from the mm-hmm. conservatory and I was there. I knew nothing about tropical <laughs> plants. This was like pre-internet. This was, we had, uh, I think we had old like RHS books, um, some, you know, 1970s plant house, plant expert books falling apart, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so I would just, but then also lots of archives. Um, Oh man, uh, archives are just, oh, I love them. They're so mm. important. Um, so I would just like comb through all of that and like reading as much as I can. And I made so many mistakes because, you know, everyone was busy. No one could, you know, and I also, you know, I was very competent and I'm like, I can handle that. <laughs> you know, if I didn't handle it, I'll figure it out, you know? And then, so they went on with their, their busy, busy work. And so but yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. Well, I, 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 I will jump in here to say that every gardener in the audience right now is going, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes when I was first learning to garden as well and mm-hmm. work with plants. Um, <laughs> thankfully, plants are mostly very forgiving. Um, so are. about what year would this have been, Tyra? And what was the name or is the name of that mentor who went on to lead the parks department? Um, so this was nine two thousand, and her name is is Marina Becker. Um, she retired recently mm. um, last year, and after oh my gosh, after thirty four years, mm. great. Yeah, she was oh my gosh, like she is someone I just I've always looked up to, and I, I I've learned from, and I've always appreciated her. Um, and what she's done, what she instituted at the conservatory, like she instituted the foundation board and, you know, newsletters and uh, programs. There weren't a lot of like horticultural programs at the time. And so she did all of that. And so I learned so much yeah. from her. Well, it, which really speaks to the importance of of being a mentor and um, and accepting and finding a mentor in any or or several mentors in, in our lives. Um, Yeah. And then paying that forward. So she taps you, you're kind of left to your own devices to figure out what you're supposed to do on these two days. Take us on the journey from there. When when does that become your full-time kind of gig? And, Mm -hmm. uh, and then 
when does that intersect with overseeing the production greenhouses and sort of tell us how those two interface with each other? I'm a part-time seasonal. So, you know, I'm making 613 an hour. Yeah. And uh, six months into my part-time seasonal position, I'm already working at the conservatory two days a week. I'm in maintenance. A full-time position comes open and I wasn't going to apply for it. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get that job. I'm not even going to waste. I'm not going to waste anybody's time, which was so silly. I can't imagine. Um, And so Marina, she noticed that I hadn't applied for it and the deadline was coming up and she came to the conservatory and she's, she's like, "Uh, I noticed you didn't put in your application. And I was like, Marina, I just don't think I'm going to, I just don't think I'm going to do it. I just don't think I'll get it. And she's like, well, you should at least try. <laughs> I was like, of course I should try. Um, I was just so insecure and not confident in my abilities. Um, and, and so I, you know, I did, I applied. I applied, I interviewed. It was very scary. I didn't think I was going to get it. I got it, you know? Um, yeah. And, and then, and it was just, she came back to the conservatory and and told me, she like she she pulled me outside and she's like, oh, I just wanted to you know talk with you. And she's like, I want to let you know that you got the job. And I had never felt like so much joy because I wasn't going to do it. And I did it and I accomplished it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is yeah. this is my career. Yeah. I'm going to be able to like work with plants and make a living. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, hopefully a, a good living, you know, it was amazing. So. At the time, though, I was still working in the maintenance department at the conservatory, and then there were there was a necessity to have another person at the production greenhouses. Mm-hmm. They had two growers there, um, and so they did a big switch around of of people, um, kind of shook some things up, and we had an option, and we could decide if we wanted to move to certain locations. And I said, I would love to work at the greenhouse and mm-hmm. the conservatory. Okay. Because you see the beginnings of everything at the greenhouse. You see the beginning of all of the plants, the life. And then I was able to see the display side of it at the conservatory and set the displays. And that was such an amazing experience to be able to see that, like baby, the, the little plants, um, and then set the displays. Right. Like, wow. It was, it was incredible. Full circle. Full, yeah. Full circle. Yeah. And so uh, that was, that, you know, happened many, that I was there for many years between the both facilities and with more and more responsibilities, it became a little bit like I was too divided. Yeah. And so I, I but I wasn't the director of the conservatory. I wasn't the supervisor. Um, there was another woman there who, um, you know, she was an arborist. She worked in the maintenance department on the other side of Tacoma. And she, be- of course, became um, the second mentor I've had in Metro Parks, uh, Mary Anderson. And her brain was, I was always just inspired by, she could know nothing about a subject. And she wouldn't say she knew anything about it. She would, but then she would study and research and learn it. And she did that at the conservatory. Like I had already been there a couple of years, working a couple of days a week there. Um, and I taught her what I knew. And then she kind of really, really went above that. Um, and 
And so she also, she was inspiring. And I was like, oh, I can, I can, I can learn more of what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't have to stop learning. I right. Was, yeah. That was just a reminder then that I, I can expand on what I know mm. about the plants and the conservatory. And uh, so then I, you know, I, for, that was for many, many years, it was back and forth. And then she was moving on to um, head up our natural resources department of Metro Parks. And so she moved off site and then I stayed on site and I began doing more of what she did on site. So really developing the programs and choosing the plants for the displays and doing the revenue and supervising staff. And I was doing that for many years without the title. Hmm. Um, uh, and you know, I, when I think back on it, then I'm like, oh man, I kind of let myself get, get over, get, Never mind. I'm not yes. even going to say it. Yeah. Thank no, you. I, every woman, um, every woman in the audience is going, yep, yep. I've been there. I know. I was yes. like, I didn't think it happened to me. I was like, what? But I loved my job. Right. right. Like, I just kept right. doing it. Yeah. So then they, they did realize that they should open up for another supervisor for the conservatory and they did. And I had been doing the job for quite a few years then by then, like the same job that they um, opened. And I had to get past my, my own entitlement and my own um, like, but I've already been doing this job. I should just, why don't you just give it to me? You know, like I had to get over that and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to work for this again. And I'm going to have to show them that I'm the right person um, to supervise the conservatory and then also the greenhouses. And so um, I did, I interviewed, and um, there was, it was between me and this, this other guy, he had been a long fellow at Longwood, I believe. And I was like, oh man, I'm not going to get it. You know, he's, he worked at Longwood Gardens. That's like above me. You know, and I just doubted myself again. I really did. Um, it, it's a theme, I guess. Like, I mean, it's a theme for a lot of people. And I just, I, I worked my butt off and I, you know, I interviewed, I interviewed two times. And then finally, um, they were like, well, it, the job is yours. You know, there was a little bit more. Uh, and so that became where, okay, now, now I'm freaked out because, <laughs> <laughs> because I have this historical facility that I'm responsible for. I'm responsible for the staff, the part-time staff, the volunteers. Um, but also, you know, being a supervisor is, you know, it's not, it's not easy to do it well and to also try to stay connected to the things that you still love. And I did struggle with right. that. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one, Tyra. Yeah. I didn't trust the people that were working for me to do more. I was just being a little bit more, I was being a little of a control freak in the, the nicest way. I think I just, I, I was like, I have to do this. I have to do it just like this. And this is what I've planned. Um, until I had a really scary health thing happen to me. And this really changed. I think what my path was with my career. Mm. I had a, a brain aneurysm Oh, and it, you know, it burst. This was in uh, 2000, 
16. Oh, yeah, 2016. And so, mm -hmm. wait, so you had gone these several years acting in the role as supervisor in an unofficial way. You Correct. then apply and interview and win the position. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like, well, I don't love when we allow ourselves to uh, be, you know, work hard for, for unpaid labor. Uh, th there is something though, I'm imagining that is deeply satisfying when you do work your, your, your hardest and you rise to your best self and you win the job, not mm -hmm. out of complacency or, you know, what could be deemed, you know, just entitlement, but you win it out of merit. Yes. Yeah. And then you have to learn to navigate. And I think this is such an important theme in our horticultural world that, you know, in, in any world, but that when you start to rise in the hierarchy of the organization, you get further and further away often yes. from what brought you there in the beginning, which is mm -hmm. putting your hands in the soil, as you said, right in the beginning, Tyra, and having that relationship with the growing plants. And this is a line that everybody, I think, has to navigate, um, how we get pulled away from what centers us and how we try and keep it in our lives. And then you come to this this health crisis um, in 2016. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that it happened after all of that happened. So, mm -hmm. so what does this what does this do for your perspective and your your own values? Yeah. So you know, you know, I work with plants. You know, everyone's like, you know, they always say, oh, it must be so relaxing. You must yeah. like love it so much, and there's never any drama and. You know, in the heart of it, yeah, that in the perfect world, it would be like that. But we all know that that's not the case, especially if you are supervising and budget and all of that. It becomes all of that, that stuff that is not as fun for me. And, you know, so I, I was working a lot and I was really stressed out and um, I was unhappy i was constantly thinking about what i need to do and what i can do what can i what can i make better and that's not a bad thing right but i had no balance there was no balance and and i did that i, I kind of operated at that like high stress like i would stress out over a program that other people were leading that i just organized and i couldn't stop thinking about it you know i would just it was too much I was letting myself take on too much. And then I wasn't leaning on the smart and capable people that were around me, the people that I had, you know, cultivated or hired or like built relationships with in the conservatory, volunteers and part-time staff and all of that. So I wasn't in a good place and I was stressed out a lot and all my plants at home were dying. Everything was just not, not very good. And then I, you know, one day, you know, I was going into work and I had a really bad headache. Um, and, you know, next thing I know, I'm, I'm in the hospital. They, they tell me I've had a, um, I have a brain aneurysm that burst. Um, you know, my, my partner's there, you know, everyone is, I'm in and out. And still to this day, like, I don't remember a lot of it. Like right. they gave me you know, I think there's like a 50-50 that's something, you know, you might not make pull it through or you might have some um, capability issues afterwards. So there was a lot of unknowns. Right. And so I'm, as I'm laying, and my partner reminds me, as I'm laying in ICU, um, I'm laying there and I say, oh my gosh, tell Lauren that 
there's a there's a talk from this um it was this Victorian couple who like they lived the Victorian lives mm-hmm. and they were they were coming into the conservatory to give a talk to talk oh. about what it was like and I said we told Lauren that they're coming and um and what to do and she was just one of the um this great staff that I had there and I was like really yeah that was like what I'm thinking <laughs> I know like it's like um and then I guess it it happened again I'm like I had said something else and then it just you know, I did get better. I'm here. It was a, it was a long recovery. And I was very, very fortunate that I had minimal um, issues after it. And I had checkups for quite a few years. My last checkup last year. Um, now I don't have to go back for, I think, three more years. And so, Good news. Uh, yeah. So with that, with that, I was, you know, I was off work. I was on medical leave and I was concerned about the conservatory and how it was going and how things were being taken care of. And it was still really like, you know, I'm at home, I'm like sleeping and then I'm I'm still texting my staff. And Lauren, uh, one of my staff there, she said, she's like, Tyra, she's like, you don't have to worry. Like we will take care of the conservatory and it will, you know, it will be all right. You know, like we will, she's like, you, um, we know what to do, you know, and that's, that's because of you, you know? And so I took that and I just let it go. I let it go for two months and I didn't worry about how the conservatory was, that's a lie, I did. Sorry. <laughs> I did worry. I did worry, but I didn't worry that they weren't able to handle it because they were. This is Cultivating Place. Plantswoman Tyra Chenault is the horticulture resource supervisor at Metro Parks Tacoma in Washington State. The traditional homelands of the Puyallup, the Muckleshoot, the Nisqually, and the Salish. The city of Tacoma takes its name from the Salish language name for nearby Mount Rainier. Tyra oversees, among other things, a 115-year-old glass house known as the W.W. Seymour Conservatory in Tacoma's Wright Park. We'll be right back after a break to hear more about Tyra's journey as a plantswoman, as a public figure, and as the caretaker of this historic horticultural space. Stay with us. Hey, it's Jennifer. Speaking of places, I would love to see you. I will also be speaking in Grass Valley, California this Saturday, March 25th for a group presentation to the Master Gardeners of Nevada County and the Redbud chapter of the California Native Plant Society. I'm also going to be taking part in a fabulous day celebrating our native bees This will be held at Annie's Annuals in the Bay Area on April 1st. For all details on my upcoming events, make sure to check out cultivatingplace.com forward slash events. And I really hope to see you out on the road and in the gardens this growing season, my friends, because it's that kind of communion that makes so much of this growing that much greener and so much greater. 
We're back now to our conversation with Tyra Chenault, the Horticulture Resource Supervisor at Metro Parks Tacoma, overseeing the city's historic glass house, the W.W. Seymour Conservatory, which is located in Tacoma's beloved Wright Park. As we come back, Tyra is sharing more about the life lessons from her work in the Parks Department with her mentors and with the plants and the plants people she loves. What it taught me the most was to let go and to not stress out about these little things as much. And I I try to remind myself over and over, I get really caught up in my own ego or own, you know, everything of like how things should be and, and how I, I want to, how I want to serve our community and, and what I want to do. I, I get, sometimes I'll get so overwhelmed with all of this want and desire. And then I'm like, you know what, kind of back up, let's see what I can do. It's okay. So I really, I really learned a lot of balance from, from that experience. And luckily I was able, I lived to, to like kind of live on with that balance of, um, you know, take care, taking care of myself and my work, but also like just letting things go and be, and not try to like control everything. You know, you can't control plants. You can, but (laughs) um, take the lessons from the plants, really look at them. I think also I learned that although I'm not working as much with the plants at all, I'm doing more administration, which really hurt my heart for a long time. I'm like, oh my gosh, that means I'm, I'm going to lose my connection. I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to really tap into what our, our, you know, what Tacoma needs and what the conservatory needs if I'm not actually wiping those bugs off the plants <laughs> or pruning it. And it just isn't the case. I feel like my connection is even more because I really take a step back and and enjoy my own plants and growing my own plants and learning from them. So beautiful. And that takes us, I think, quite beautifully to describe the the footprint of the conservatory and the collections now inside of it. Uh, and are you also working with the display beds that are all around the outside of the conservatory, you and your team, Tyra? Mm-hmm. So most people who have are, are responsible for small gardens will know this, that you wear a lot of hats. Yeah. And so we have a very small team. You know, I have one full-time horticulturist at the conservatory and we have one full-time greenhouse grower who grows all of the plants that we use in the conservatory. How big is that? And then what are you, what is your team responsible for around the conservatory or is it the whole park? we are a tiny conservatory and we try to pack a lot into the small space. Um, So we are about 3,300 square feet and we have uh, three, three wings and one central dome that the dome is uh, 40 feet tall. And the wings are um, about a thousand feet long. I'm kind of forgetting now. So with the three wings, central dome, we also have a restroom that was put on um, addition about five years ago. So the three wings in the dome and we have, we have our seasonal displays as you walk in, but then planted in the ground, we have our um, permanent collection starting. So we have our ponderosa lemon tree. Um, we have our Brazilian grape tree. I'm just going to use uh, common names right now. 
Brazilian grape sure. tree. And those have been in, in the collection for quite a while. Uh, I would say that actually the Brazilian grape tree was a donation from the Conservatory of Flowers in 2004. Oh, nice. Uh, we got a huge donation of plants. We had a, a renovation then and Mary, the supervisor of the conservatory then kind of worked with them to get a lot of a lot of plants for the the exhibit um, for the conservatory. Um, mm. And then, you, you know, you walk in and along the path we have right now is our spring spring display um, with a lot of azaleas and daffodils, you know, the, the typical plants you see, cyclamen. Um, we have a lot of orchids blooming right now, which they stay on site. So we had a renovation last year and we were closed for a year. We were opened um, May 2022 and it it was a lot of structural renovation, kind of preserve the building and and care for the building. And with that renovation, we were able to put in some fun um, new exhibits. Uh, Since we're a small garden, uh, we're not able to expand um, due to money. So we put in a living wall, which is a a tiny mini version of the living wall and the Amazon biospheres. If you've, um, if you're familiar with those. Yep. And uh, it's the same, it's a, the same material, not materials, but the same foundation of the living wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked with the designers um, who also designed that wall. And we've had a, a good relationship with the greenhouses up at Amazon, which is a whole other story. They've donated a lot of plants to us also. So we put in a living wall we put in a bog because um, one of the favorite features of, of visitors of all ages are the carnivorous plants and pitcher plants, Venus flytraps. <laughs> yeah, they just, they love it. And then we also put in a vivarium that we host um, four golden um, dart frogs, poison dart frogs, and some um, mm. vivarium plants, plants that need a little bit more humidity and heat and light, uh, some aeroids and orchids. And we have a bigger collection now of aeroids than we have ever had. So a lot of anthuriums, philodendrons, quite a few actually gingers, which uh, we love the gingers. And so we have quite a few different families. I would say we have at least 200 different species of plants in the conservatory right now. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. And then you have, um, I, I think I, I'm right when I say this, because the first time that I came to the conservatory, which would have been in like mm, 2019, I want to say, I came in the fall. I was driving through the city with my with my daughter, who was just starting school there in the city. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a conservatory. We got to stop. And there was this fantastic... Um, chrysanthemum display going on. And it was so great. There were so many different kinds of chrysanthemums and lots of interpretive signage. And it just felt like a beautiful, um, a beautiful little, you know, like perfect jewel box of a museum. And I want to get to where this sits in the city. I I believe it actually sits on a kind of cultural dividing line in the town. Am I right when I say that? You know, we are on, we're not, there's an area called Stadium District or North Slope. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's more of the, more of the areas where there are the bigger houses, um, more financially stable. And then we're right in the middle of, I would say, Hilltop, which is, is, was uh, predominantly Black. 
uh, community and before that, I think Norwegian um, in the 20s. So we're right in the middle and then we are not too far from downtown Tacoma. So um, yeah, we're right on that line of, you know, economically a little bit, you know, lower wages and of the North Slope, which higher kind of predominantly wealthy folks live on that side. So we, we have a mix of visitors. We have, we have a lot of different visitors from all over and especially in Tacoma. Metaphorically, it's so beautiful that this resource is right in the center and creates this intersection point between different spaces in the city, different communities historically and perhaps contemporarily in the city. Um, And it is open to everyone. When you think about your role as a Black woman in horticulture, in public horticulture in these times, Talk maybe about the importance of representation in a facility like this and honoring, you know, like in the display of the chrysanthemums, honoring this like beautiful rich history of Asian culture through these plants um, and how you see your role in that way, Tyra. Yeah, I I I think we have a lot of work to do mm. in how we interpret some of our displays and our exhibits and who we are acknowledging when we are discussing um, botanical names and Mm. origins and who discovered what, you know, all of that. We have a lot of work to do. And it is something that I'm always like, okay, I got, I got to do this. This is really important to me and my heart and, and, and all of that. So going back to um, representation um, as a black woman in horticulture, and I, you know, I talked about my mentors. Um, my mentors were two white women. I love and respect them. And I just didn't see the representation. And I think that has a lot to do with what I thought about what I could do as a career and what and what my life could be like in horticulture. I didn't know it was possible. And, and maybe it would have been different, you know, I, I would have caught on sooner if I had met um, folks like April Lee, you know, like if I had known that it was things were possible then. So like holding that with me and and just acknowledging that my career, I've been around mainly white people. I have white gardeners, right? Arborists. It's it's been I go to conferences um, and then it would be mainly, you know, white people. I do pesticide training. Not only would I be the only person of color, the only black woman, but also, yeah, the only, the only woman, you know, like it was, it was a thing. And, and it becomes very, mm, not secular. What's the word? It becomes very narrow. Your, your, your world is like so narrow and you, and Mm -hmm. sometimes you forget that there's more out there than just what's around you. And I, um, so like knowing that and knowing what my experience was and, and is I representation, like that is like at the, the top of my, like what I want to do as, as the caretaker of the conservatory. And I, I want to, I want to be able, and that's why, okay, honestly, I am not, this is above and beyond what I'm comfortable with. Like talking on a podcast, I'm not, (laughs) that's not like in 
my heart of hearts, it's like, I'm like freaking out inside. <laughs> like, um, and I'm going to do uh, the flower and garden show bubbles and blooms, blooms and bubbles. I always forget like that is above what I am comfortable with, but I made the decision where I'm like, you know, not only for myself, but I need to, I need to put myself out there more. Mm. I need to, I need to, to be there. I need to be visible. I need in, and for anybody, like for any kid, you know, like if I'm going to be talking with a group of students, I want to be able to, I want them to see me, you know, I want them to see this, you know, this black woman who is in charge of the conservatory and who, who knows plants. And so that's really important to me. And so like thinking about that, like it's in every aspect of what my, like my plans are like, who do we bring in to talk about plants? What, you know, like who, who, who is everyone? Who are the people that we need to see more of, mm. you know, whether it's, um, whether, whether it is, you know, a person of color, what if, what is someone who has English as a second language, you know, like we, we need to see more of that in horticulture, especially. And I see, I see that the tides are turning and I see it more. Mm. Um, and I do fear that though. It's like, as with a lot of things, you know, people will go pretty, pretty strong on it. And then they're like, okay, I did my due diligence. I, you know, diversified my my speaking panel and I diversified this and I have, um, a, a black speaker and, um, but then they won't go further. And right. sometimes I'm afraid I'm going to do that as a black yeah. woman, that mm. it may be, it might be a little bit more difficult to find someone to speak about a certain thing and like, Oh, I, you know, you kind of fall back to like, what's easy. And I don't, I don't want to do that. And so it's really important to me that if we, you know, if I'm going to teach about Ikebana, is there an, you know, and a person is an Ikebana specialist who is of that, you know, like of that culture. Like, I don't, I don't want to always go to someone who is white, even though they have trained and learned and their, their knowledge is valuable. Yes. But, but also I want to lift up yeah. the people of color. So, And I think that, you know, the important thing is each of us supporting one another in holding mm -hmm. that line and, and staying true to that building of capacity and the patience that it might it might require in some cases to uh, help someone get ready uh, to take their place and and holding that place for them until they're ready. Is there anything you would like to add about uh, where you are growing into um, in this world? Honestly, I feel like I'm growing more into myself. I'm more confident. I'm more confident in my knowledge. You know, sometimes I regress, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more confident in my capabilities and I am I'm growing into this person that really wants to be, I really want to help our community. Like my first and foremost, like with the plants, I really want people to connect with their heat, with healing, with themselves, especially after three years of a pandemic, we're still in a pandemic. Everyone says it's over. It's not, you know, our, a lot of our community, it's it's for, it's not over. And so I really want to grow into the person where, and I want to, I want to be there for people at, for the, at the conservatory where it's a place of healing and, and respite and peace. And, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I like myself more and more. People used to say that, 
you know, when you get into your forties, you know, it's, it, this will happen. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. hey, that's really true. I'm, I feel yeah. so good. Beautiful. Thank you very much for being a guest on the program today. Beautiful work at the Seymour Conservatory. And I am looking forward to visiting many more times. Oh, I look forward to having you. I will, I will bore you with pointing out all of the plants that we have. I'm looking forward to that. Tyra Chenault is the Horticulture Resource Supervisor at Metro Parks Tacoma in Washington State. Speaking of plants and place this week, I had to include Tyra's wonderful voice sharing her favorite plants in and around the Seymour Conservatory in Tacoma's glorious Puget Sound climate. My, my life is like this tropical, you know, life inside the conservatory, but then also I started off working with perennials and being outside in my own garden as I'm looking out at it right now. Oh, it's messy. <laughs> um, and so like, it's like, oh, uh, like what would I choose? I so in the tropical world, um, as a family um, of plants, I how oh gosh, I love aeroids. I really do. Um, so I think so. I think aeroids. So if you could get, but you know what? Those are pretty popular right now. What I what I'm developing a really a, a really strong love for are syngoniums of all plants and. There are so many different types of syngoniums. Uh, like there's, there's I, have, I have pink, I have an elbow, variegated. They're so, they're fairly easy to care for. A lot of people can care for them um, in different ways. And there's so many different colors and, and shapes. And so syngoniums, I think, are a very uh, cool plant to have in your house. And although I have a hard time with them, I really love begonias. Mm, yeah. Every begonia, even uh, nonstop begonias, which is for outside shade. I love nonstop begonias. They're so beautiful and colorful. And um, if you don't know nonstop begonias, they call them nonstops. I'm sure you know, it's just, they're, I feel like they're always blooming. They just are always uh, blooming. Yeah. Always blooming. And then we'll have, we have them on display, but another begonia, um, the big, beautiful flowers, um, an Antonelli begonia. So if you ever come across those, those are really beautiful okay. um, for, you can have them outside. You can also have them inside. They're amazing. I would say the third, I would say Hoyas. Okay. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, I really do. I have, I have a friend who is um, a grower and she just gave me, I would say, about five different types Ooh. of Hoyas that I'm growing. And I have a little potting area. Um, part of our kitchen is my little greenhouse. <laughs> so <laughs> any Hoyas, like I, I I, love Hoyas. So if you can come across any, even the most basic ones. Um, but I was reviewing a list recently of Hoyas and there were 3,000 different Wow. And I would never have known that. Oh, it was overwhelming. I, because I have an, op I have an opportunity to bring some to Tacoma 
um, through a vendor. And I, I was like, I, I made it through the seas where I'm like, I have to take a break. Um, yeah. I made oh. it through the seas. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for an outside plant. Okay. One more. Well, uh, cardoons, love cardoons. Yeah. They're super fun. Um, and, oh, I'm going to get the name wrong. Is it Melianthus? Melianthus. It's like yeah. honeybush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those are two of my favorite plants in um, my own yard. And I love hebes. So those are my outside outside oh my plants. And that really speaks to the privilege of your climate that you can grow hebes outside. But uh, that's, yeah, I would use that privilege to the best of your ability. <laughs> um, that's that's what climate can do for you. I love the hebes. But the I'm so excited about this mini Hoyas. I'm going to have to look into that. And their fragrance inside in the yes. winter when they're blooming is just Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So we have a Hoya Bella and a Hoya Lacanosa and Hoya Serpens is another one that is pretty. Those are three that are really pretty cool Hoyas. Join us again next week when we finish up Women's History Month with a bang in conversation with the United Kingdom's Alice Vincent. Her newest book is very aptly titled Why Women Grow. The book and the conversation is a celebration of what it means to be a thoughtful human and a caring gardener, always growing. Listen in. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio, a service of CAP Radio, licensed to Chico State Enterprises. Cultivating Place is made possible in part by listeners just like you through the support button at the top right-hand corner of every page at cultivatingplace.com. Thank you, every one of you who supports the program on a recurring basis or even once a year. The program is also made possible through the generosity of the Caddo Shaw Foundation and by support from the Garden Conservancy. The Cultivating Place team includes producer and engineer Matt Fiddler with weekly tech and web support from Angel Haracha. We're based on the traditional and present homelands of the Machupta Indian tribe of the Chico Rancheria. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.